0: Okay. All right, cool. We're live. I um, don't have a lot of time, so trying to be expedient and then publish it all on these all these different platforms. Anyway, today uh, what we're going to talk about is three feet from gold. Um, we're going to talk about failures and stuff, and the things that take and cause us to quit. Because quitting, what you're going to discover is, is like as we go through this training, about fifty percent of what we're going to end up talking about is just trying to keep your head in the game, try to keep you from taking and surrendering and giving up, and so I wanted to take and show you a few things that are very interesting. So this book right here, Think uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, so as you remember, uh, Andrew Carnegie, he was the richest man in the world, he commissioned Napoleon Hill to go out there and to study and to document the most successful men in America, trying to figure out what it was that they did that, was, that made them successful. And when, when he got done doing it, he basically came back with 16 keys to success. Like, like no, nobody that he uh interviewed was super duper successful that didn't possess possess uh these keys. But the good news is is not a single one of them was born with these, these keys, so to speak, or skill sets. And so, right in here, he talks about this uh the story right here. He says it's called three feet from gold that's kind of what i uh, labeled today's lesson so there was this guy uh this guy named darby and he got kind of caught up in the gold rush a little bit and he took and he went to colorado while he was in colorado he he found gold and so he was super excited got some guys put together commissioned them to be able to figure out how to go uh, mine mine this gold out and so when he went and did it, he started drilling and digging and all of a sudden that gold started coming up and he's excited and everything's going really, really good. But then the gold, the gold ran out and, and he, he couldn't figure out how to find it. And so he literally, he basically just sold it to a junk collector, all the equipment, called it a day and moved on. And another guy that bought this thing, this junk collector, he went and hired somebody to come out there to do a site survey Uh, do a fault line analysis and he said, oh, yeah, exactly, where he he missed it because he was three feet. He needed to take and dig three feet over from where he quit digging. And the guy did it, and next thing you know, up came all the gold. And the problem is, is we frequently discover that we end up quitting when we're three feet from gold. We were so close, and so what this guy did is because he had that experience and he went through that, He when he got into the insurance business, he started looking, he started working with his insurance clients, and he discovered that like almost everybody he tried to sell insurance to said no. And he made almost all of his sales and all of his money after he got past no. And like not one no, not two no's, not three no's. It seemed like it was like seven no's is what he had ended up doing to get past it. But we would not be having this discussion. We would not be talking about Darby. And we would not be talking about, my handsome man over there decided to make a bottle, which is good because my daughter is hungry. So anyway, um, so we would not be having this discussion about Darby had he not learned a valuable lesson when the first time he had fortune at his fingertips and he ended up losing that fortune because he ended up quitting too soon. He was within three feet of gold. And so think and grow rich. We would not know who these guys are. Had, that not, uh, had he not sat there and continued to drill into it. Now, I want to take and tell you about another one. This is George Classen's The Richest Man in Babylon. Hurry up. Oh, all right, never mind. Okay, so we would not be having this discussion about, all right, go take care of it, big boy. Go. Go have Brady give you a hand. Go ask Brady for help, please. Okay. Um It's all right, buddy. Just have Brady give you a hand. Um, sorry about that. My my like I'm I'm a dad. I have eight kids and so I got a lot of moving parts. <laughs> and so anyway, George Klassen, The Richest Man in Babylon, this book right here, um phenomenal. He talks about this camel trader in here, and this camel trader you know, he, he started buying and, and buying more things than he could afford. In the end, what happened is is he ended up spending more than he could afford, ended up losing his wife, ended up going out and start joining this these this caravan of vagabonds and stuff that they would take and loot, incoming carriages, whatnot. And as a result, like when you get that devious, eventually things are gonna catch up to you. And things did catch up to him. He ended up getting uh, taken his head was shaved um, and he became a slave and under that stewardship of slavery he ended up coming to an epiphany that if he did not figure out how to take ownership of his mistakes and to face the fact that he had failed but he could actually climb his way back out then his life would never change and he ended up finding a way to escape from being a slave he ended up crossing a desert that just about killed him. He was tired, he was dead he was almost dead, laying on the ground and when he was laying there and, and it seemed like all hope was gone um, this 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 thought came to him he says are you a, are you a free man or are you going to be a slave?" because a free man would take and own his uh, take ownership of his problems and then work on solving them and so he found a way to take him to stand up, to take him to move forward. And as he took him across that desert, he finally made it way, way back to his home. When he got there, like, like pretty much almost nobody wanted to see this guy, okay? He, he was in debt to all of them. He went around and he tried to work out a deal with every one of them that he would pay back his debts if they would just be patient with him. And considering they hadn't got a dime from him, it seemed like a reasonable solution to that particular problem. So he took and he did just that, and he slowly chipped away. He ended up paying back all of his debts, all of his obligations, and he ended up becoming a, a, a well respected man in his community again. But see, we wouldn't have these conversations if these guys had folded. Um, take them, I'll show you this one right here. Have you ever seen this book right here, The Intelligent Investor? This is, like Warren Buffett says, this is the best book ever written on finance. The best book ever written on finance. And what I really liked about Warren Buffett is, like, he's been the richest man in the world multiple times. Time and time again, he seemed to keep trading places with Bill Gates. Um, And... Warren Buffett would have an easier time staying the richest man in the world if he'd stopped giving it all away to charity. And but the thing that I liked about Warren Buffett is like obviously he's phenomenally rich. But like when he there was a there was a newspaper company, a, a, like Buffalo newspaper, and he he took and he he bought this um, he bought this newspaper and the thing that he had going on is him and another newspaper were competing in that particular town, and so he kept, he kept, um, you know, like like any entrepreneur, he's going to do his best, right? So he was doing his best, doing his best, doing his best, and he was actually gaining ground and traction on his newspaper. And the the other company, um, they didn't like it, and so they went and uh, took uh, Warren Buffett to court. When they took him to court, they basically. ...ended up saying that Warren Buffett's this out-of-town out outsider. He's here with his big money. Um, he's trying to destroy this local newspaper. And and because he's going to try to do this, some sort of injunction needs to be put in place... ...to keep it from, from him dominating. And so, like for some reason, the judge seemed to agree that this smaller newspaper was indeed correct... And put an injunction against Warren Buffett. They, they they put some handcuffs on this guy, so all of a sudden his ability to do his sales and marketing and to promote his product and to get his newspaper out there became massively, massively hampered. Well, as a result, he wasn't actually making money; he was losing money. And and this this went on for a while, and they went back to court a few times, and the judge basically the judge took and maintained that stipulation. That Warren Buffett was going to be handcuffed the way he was, and all the only thing that was happening is, is Warren Buffett was just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding out, and he it was actually so tiring and so frustrating, and so it's such a waste of his time, so to speak, that he he literally wanted to just fold. He wanted to give up, call it a day, and his fortunately he had a partner. Right, that's why we have to associate with people. Is he had this partner that says Warren, this is Charlie Munger, and he's like Warren. We cannot fold and just quit, man. That's we can't do that because I mean, I mean, you got millions tied up into this thing, and you can't just fold. And so Warren Buffett, with the with the encouragement of Charlie Munger, actually did. He soldiered on um, to the point that uh, when it when that court's previous decision was appealed, the the next court up. Could see no reason that the lower court would have taken and putting those injunctions against Warren Buffett. The guy was a marketer. He was doing the best he could to take and to make his company profitable. And you can't you can't hamstring the guy because he's doing what's in his best interest, which is to make his business successful. And as a result, that was lifted, and Warren Buffett was able to start clawing his way back and to start trying to make revenue. And it worked out really well. The other company did not like it. They again appealed that, trying to put the injunction back into place. Um, but when you have a battle like that, you start bleeding out. And in the end, the other company ended up having to fold. And then Warren Buffett's company was able to, in essence, uh, I think it became, I guess, a monopoly, because then all of a sudden his company, all of a sudden, instead of losing tons of money, just the money started pouring in. And like that was a victory that Warren Buffett had, where even some of the most successful guys that we know in our day and age were ready to fold and to quit. And what you're going to discover, like as I took and I go through this challenge, um, I haven't found, I have not found taking and getting a funnel up and running to be like super easy. Um, I found that there's been a lot of marketing, a lot of information that I needed to know. There's lots of things that I needed to discover. And as you start going through, like as you start channeling your way through the One Funnel way Challenge, um, you're going to see that, you know, your, your ability to believe that you can be successful becomes a very, very critical part of your ability to actually succeed. Um, it's like, I wish, like if success was easy, like I think everybody would do it. Like if they took and they brought it to you on a plate, it's like here. Here's a piece of success, super easy, take it, and then you're going to take ownership of it. Like, see, everybody would do it, but the thing is, is like, you, you have to live like no other so that you can live like no other. You take this guy right here, for example, um, Tony Robbins, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Like I mentioned previously, he was, he was flat broke, living in a little place in Venice, California, in a little teeny studio. He didn't even have a, he didn't even have like a sink to wash his dishes. So he washed his dishes in the bathtub. And basically he was at his lowest point. He had gained about 30 extra pounds. He was at his lowest point. He was struggling. And like you could have, he could have easily quit. He could have easily gave, gave or given up. And like one day when he had like 17 bucks in his pocket, he he talks about how he was inside this uh, this restaurant and he saw this this young man, looked like it, you know, it's probably an eight-year-old young man. He came inside the restaurant with his mother and he was being a gentleman, pulled the chair out for her, was seeking to be a very gentlemanlike, and Warren Buffett was or or Tony Robbins was super impressed with that experience. And he's like like something something snapped inside of him. Something something changed, and he he walked over to where that young man was, and Tony pulled out all the money in the world he had to his name, it's like seventeen dollars and change, and he gave it to the young man, and like encouraged him to take to continue to be a gentleman like that and taking his mom out on a date, and then Tony Robbins took and he left that restaurant, and he ran his guts out until he could no longer you know, like pretty much even breathe. And when he was in that choked up state, basically the thing that came to his mind is never. I will never, ever, ever do this again. I will figure out how to make it up to the top. And within one year, there was a there's a beach house or a house on the, I think at Del Marb, something like Del Marb. Anyway, it's there in California. And it was this phenomenal house. Within one year, The guy had clawed his way back into economic prosperity. And it's just because he didn't quit. Like, once he had made the decision, kind of like a pit bull. That's how I always imagine it. Once he made a decision, he, he latched onto it. Like, that's like, you don't give up. You don't give up. You just bite onto it and you go. And you just go, go, go. There's this book right here. I took the unfortunately I took the cover off it, of, but this is Dave Ramsey. Like if you take and you read about Dave Ramsey, this guy, he was a he was a real estate uh, titan. He was doing really really good. Um, life was good, making lots of money in the real estate business. The market, as markets always do, it started to change. Recession started to kick in. The market moved against him, and all of his banks started calling his loans due, and he went from. Being wealthy to being broke, and he, he remembers standing in the shower, just so disappointed and frustrated with life, that he was he felt like and contemplated committing or suicide, because he felt like his family would be better off without him than they are with him, having a broken dad, and a broken father who couldn't provide for his family, um. And but instead of making that choice. He started, started kind of cobbling his way back together again, putting together his economics again. But he was so scarred that basically he started teaching other people how to not uh, live in, in, a, in an arrangement of debt, to find themselves in a position of being debt-free because it had marked him so much. And uh, in the end, we all know who Dave Ramsey is because dude didn't quit like tell me tell me a famous quitter that quit that you know like name name one phenomenal person on the whole planet that you know that was a professional quitter and just threw in the threw in the towel and surrendered see you you can't find anybody like who are you going to find no Nobody's going to remember the guy who decided to fold every time he run into struggle. Nobody's ever going to remember you. You're gonna, that person will be forgotten. But we do remember the ones that were the underdogs. We do remember the Tony Robbins who came out of nowhere and prospered in spite of his economic problems. We will remember Warren Buffett who, in spite of his challenge and getting pretty much shut down by a stupid court ruling, triumphed in the end. We, we remember him. We will remember the richest man in the Babylon. We will remember Napoleon Hill. We will remember Darby Smith. I believe that's his last name, Darby Smith, because these guys didn't fold. So, for today's lesson, the, there's only one thing that you've got to do, okay? We're, we're going to keep this relatively simple. There's one thing that you got to do, okay? Take, sit down, and document... What you've learned and what you understand about these stories about quitting. Take and just write it down, document it, share it on social media, publish it, whatever it is. But just somehow put, somehow take and figure out what it is that you've learned from these different uh, men. They're different stories, they're different experiences. That will give you the stamina to be able to keep going and soldiering on when it's going to get hard. Because one thing we do know is it will get hard. And what we do know is that nobody remembers quitters. Nobody does. So we're not going to be that. We're not going to be that guy. Like nobody will remember who we are because we became a professional quitter. So anyway, that's that's it for today's lesson. Mission two. So this is week one, mission two. So all right, we will chit chat later. All right.